He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. As he, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Grant. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive. You are listening to WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where at this point, I'm convinced the Carolina Panthers are either taking Bryce Young with the number one pick or they're actively trying to mislead us. Those are the options. You should not rule out the possibility of the latter, which we'll get to in a second. Because over the last week and a half, it's become pretty clear that somebody in that building in Uptown Charlotte is telling all the insiders Bryce is the guy. And these are not the fake insiders either. Pro tip, if somebody on their social media bio or on air tells you they're an insider has to tell you they're an insider, they're not really an insider. I'm talking about Joe Persons. Nobody on the beats covered the Panthers as long as he has. For the Charlotte Observer and now the Athletic, he's written about the buzz he's hearing surrounding Bryce. Chris Mortensen, probably not an ESPN insider or NFL insider who's been on Big stories as long as he has. He's probably the longest going NFL insider there is. He said a week ago, Bryce is going to be the pick. So much so, he told Mel Kuyper, you have to change your mock. And then Mel Kuyper did yesterday. Then you've got Adam Schefter earlier today saying this on ESPN. When we were up there during free agent week, I said at that time, and I'll repeat it again, that when the Carolina Panthers made this trade, I believe they traded up to number one with the idea that they would take Bryce Young at the top slot while being open to all other possibilities, including C.J. Stroud, and if they would be one over. Now, again, I think the Panthers went up to go get Bryce Young, and I don't think so far anything has changed their mind. Schefter isn't guessing. This is not a talking head going on television espousing his takes. It's not what this is. Insiders like him, insiders like Shafty and Mortensen, they only share maybe 10% of what they know with the audience. And 90% of what they're told or what they know behind the scenes, they can't share because they've either been told not to share it, it's off the record, or they haven't been able to corroborate it yet, which means the stuff that he does say publicly, you should take, you know, seriously. It should carry a lot of weight. He was told that by somebody in Charlotte. The question is, would Carolina put up a smokescreen? Would Carolina try to be deceptive? What incentive is there to misdirect? You might remember a couple of years ago, the Panthers, they moved up from number nine to number one. The San Francisco 49ers moved up from number 12 to number three, and all the reports were they wanted to take Mac Jones. They fell in love with Mac Jones. And then draft night rolled around. We heard the chimes. Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, Zach Wilson the second, and Mac Jones was not the third pick. Trey Lance 
was the third pick. They were being deceptive, but they had incentive to do so. What if their falling in love with Mac Jones influenced the New York Jets to make a different pick at number two? In other words, they had other teams in front of them that their deceptiveness, their smokescreen could help benefit them. Carolina has the number one pick in the draft. They don't, in theory, have to play games like this. They could tell us today who they're going to take, and nobody can stop them from taking that player. So why would they have a smokescreen? There is one scenario. I'm not saying I believe this, but I can't rule it out with 15 days between now and draft night. They could be open to facilitating a trade with the Houston Texans. There were those reports right after the Panthers traded up that they're not ruling out moving back out of the top pick. And our reaction was the only place they would move is to number two because there are two guys who are head and shoulders over everybody else in this draft. So if Carolina, just stick with me here, wanted to take C.J. Stroud and felt that the Texans liked Bryce Young as their top option, it would make sense for Carolina to tell everyone that they're going to take Bryce Young. So that way, or if Carolina liked both the same. So that way, maybe, just maybe, the Texans might be willing to part ways with some draft capital that Carolina could recoup after giving away that huge haul to the Bears just to move down one spot and take C.J. Stroud. Maybe this is a message to the Texans. We love Bryce Young so much. Oh my goodness, we're going to take Bryce. Bryce is the pick. And they want Bryce enough that they believe it and trade to get to the number one pick. Carolina gets something in exchange and they get the guy perhaps they wanted all along or like the same as Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. That's something that would justify how many reports we've seen in the last week or so about how the Carolina Panthers love Bryce Young so much. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in. That's where we're streaming video as well, in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. We got a loaded show today. Dave Clawson, he's going to join us at 435. We'll pick every NBA playoff series in less than 10 minutes. What are we giving away today? We've got PDQ gift cards, we've got real Q gift certificates, and we've got a pair of tickets for Avenged Sevenfold. Wow. So, Loaded. To give away. So make sure you're sticking around throughout today's show. How about the Carolina Hurricanes last night? After beating down the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Canes are a win away in their regular season finale tomorrow from winning the Metro Division, which they need to do to have a shot at making a deep playoff run. Last night was a complete role reversal from two nights ago in Ottawa because rather than falling behind two to nothing in the first, Carolina jumped all over the Red Wings. Two zip was the score, and they were dominant. They lived in the Detroit end. Rob Brindabore went even a step further in talking about just how dominant they were in the first 20 minutes. The, the first period, we, that's where we won the game. I mean, we came ready to play, and 
kind of got up the lead, but then you know I don't know. We wasn't great after that, but we didn't have to be, which is which is good about me coming ready to play because he won the game in the first period. The game was over after 20 minutes. It never really felt in doubt. So the good news is Carolina won the game and they snapped that three-game losing streak. However, the bad news is the Devils won last night too. The Canes are only one point ahead of the Devils with one regular season game remaining. So the Canes, while they're limping to the finish a little bit, we talked about that losing streak. The Devils, they've won now five of their last seven games. And one of those two losses are to the Boston Bruins, which is the best team in the NHL right now. Boston, Carolina is going to have to win at Florida tomorrow to clinch the Metro. But Josh, what if uh, it's a tie break and or a tiebreaker and the, you know, Canes lose in overtime and New Jersey wins? Well, then the tiebreaker would be regulation wins and New Jersey would have one more than Carolina. They'd have the tiebreaker. So unless New Jersey loses, which you cannot count on given how hot they are, Carolina's going to have to beat the Florida Panthers tomorrow. Here was the good news from last night, though. The Florida Panthers, without stepping on the ice, clinched a playoff appearance. They clinched, and it it required some luck to do so. They needed both the Sabres and the Penguins to lose last night in order to clinch a playoff spot, and that's exactly what happened. Now, the Devils beat the Sabres, and I think the Pens lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, but that means the Panthers, tomorrow night, they don't have anything to play for. They've already clinched. If I'm the Florida Panthers, I'm trying to rest guys. Be like, All right, we're going to get ready for our playoff series. We've already done the hard work. There's nothing else we can really gain here. So let's just get ready for our playoff series that's coming up, which I believe would also be against the Carolina Hurricanes, unless Carolina, they don't want to play Carolina. Like if, I, if I'm Florida, would you rather play Carolina or New Jersey? Probably face the Canes, given the injuries that they've had in how well New Jersey's played of late. So I could see the Panthers laying down a bit while Carolina has a lot to play for tomorrow. So the Cates, they're one win away from a Metro Division title. That was uh, impressive and heartening to see last night. Now comes the moment that you have all been waiting for. All right, whenever you're ready. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. WD, I need a Tony Reale in this studio to tell me when I get things wrong sometimes. Like at the end of the show, what are some of the things that I might have gotten wrong so I could correct things? Uh, I said that the Canes might play the Florida Panthers in round one. No, they're on the Atlantic division side. The Canes will play either the Islanders or the Penguins if they win the Metro division. If they do not... What they did clinch last night was home ice against the New York Rangers should they lose tomorrow and the Devils win. So I wanted to clean that up a bit. Now let's get to NBA playoff picks. Every series we're going to pick first round through the NBA finals. And let's start by just throwing this out to save us some time. I don't really care who gets the eight seed in both the East and the West. It's going to be a walkthrough for Denver and for Milwaukee to the second round. So with respect to the teams playing tonight and on Friday, neither of those teams are going to be able to compete in a real way against the top seed in each conference. So we begin in earnest with Boston and Atlanta. This is the 2-7 matchup. Atlanta won in an upset last night. 
but even you can win a single game series in basketball. March Madness, you can have all those upsets. But in a best of seven series, you might take one, but the best team's going to win more times than not. Boston's clearly a better team. I think they beat Atlanta in five. Sixers net. This might be more interesting than people think. I think it probably goes to a six-game series. Brooklyn no longer has any stars, but they have a lot of really good players. There might be some scary moments, but the Sixers, too much talent. They're through to the second round. Rounding out the East, Knicks-Cavs. This is one of the two best series in the first round. I could see it breaking either way, but I'm going to go with the top seed, the higher seed, the Cleveland Cavaliers, because don't forget, Donovan Mitchell wanted to end up in New York last summer, and they prioritized Jalen Brunson rather than giving up all that Cleveland did to bring Donovan Mitchell in. Mitchell's had a great year, all-NBA type of year, and one of the best defensive players of the league in the league is Evan Mobley. This is his first playoffs. I, this is how you start to become a star in the NBA if you're Evan Mobley. And Donovan Mitchell's been there, done that with the Utah Jazz at this point. I think they, Donovan Mitchell takes over some games, especially the ones in New York, and the Cavaliers win this series. Out West, you've got the Lake Show now. The Lakers, after that basketball game, don't know how else to describe it. A disaster late, went to overtime, Minnesota, all that without uh, Rudy Gobert. It's the Lakers in Memphis. It's a 7-2. There are going to be a lot of people that talk themselves into the Lakers because the Lakers are the Lakers. But especially after last night, you can't talk me into them winning this series. Give me the Grizzlies in four, maybe five games. This will not be a long series. Suns Clippers. How about this? Round one, Kawhi versus Kevin Durant. Advantage KD with the top four guys that Phoenix can throw at you. Clippers have been inconsistent for much of the year. They were my preseason pick to win the finals, but going up against the Suns, who might have more talent than anybody, I don't think it goes well. This is a five- or a six-game series. Kings-Warriors, this is the first-round matchup I'm most excited for. I view it like Memphis and FAU in the first round. Usually, there's this one matchup. It's usually an 8-9 or it's a 12-5 where the higher-seeded team gets written off because they're playing a team that has more name recognition. Memphis more name recognition than FAU. But there's a reason why FAU was an eight or a nine seed. Just like there's a reason why Sacramento is the three seed. And it's because they're pretty darn good. So Sacramento, who hasn't been in the playoffs since 2004, 2005, I think are going to beat the defending champion Warriors in round one because I don't think Draymond matches up that well with Sabonis. And I think home court's going to matter. And I think it was too little too late for Andrew Wiggins to show up when he did. I think Sacramento wins this series. It potentially could be seven games. Probably the series I'm most looking forward to watching in round one, but I like the Kings. Round two, pretty chalky so far, Graham. You just picked every favorite in round one. How about an upset to start round two? Out West, the Suns knock off the top-seeded Denver Nuggets. Phoenix, as I mentioned, might be the most talented team did you know, WD, that with KD in the lineup, they still haven't lost? I did know that. Eight no. If you include the games he's played with Brooklyn, he's played 46 games, and he's 34-12 and 12 in games that he plays in. Yeah, I'm going to favor that over the Denver Nuggets. Meanwhile, I think Memphis is going to dispatch Sacramento, as good of a story as Sacramento's been. Two playoff series win might be too much, too soon for this Kings team. 
And I think Memphis has enough firepower and learned experience from last year to get to the conference finals. Out east, Milwaukee should have few problems with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think it's a really good matchup for the Bucks with all the shooting they have and what, what Giannis can do in the paint. That's a five-game series win for Milwaukee. Boston-Philly. I can't in good conscience pick Doc Rivers in this spot. Going up against his former team, the lack of playoff success. Give me Boston to return to the Eastern Conference Finals in six games. That gets us to the Conference Finals where we have the Suns facing the Grizzlies. This is where I think missing Steven Adams, such a big injury towards the end of the year, is going to catch up with the Grizz. Phoenix... The way you beat the Suns is by having more depth than they do, and Memphis generally does, but without Adams, I think you lose something big in this series. This might be where DeAndre Ayton starts to shine. He was big when they got to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. This is a seven-game series, but I give the edge to Phoenix because of that injury to Adams. And this is the matchup that we all wanted in the East. Celtics, Bucks, perhaps the two best teams in the league. I'm going to go with Boston. Boston. Boston, they were, they beat them last year. I think they're even better than they were a year ago, even with all the coaching nonsense that we saw with Ime Udoka in the offseason and what Missoula's done. This team's gotten to the finish line. And here's the thing two weeks ago, Boston went into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks by 41. Boston. I can't get that out of my head. Another seven game series. If we do get these conference finals, it's going to be awesome. The Celtics win in seven, which gives us Celtics Suns in the NBA Finals. And as much as I'd love to see CP3 and KD win a title, this is where not having a deep bench comes back to hurt you. Boston has that, and I think they're the best team. They went to the finals last year, didn't win it. I think they win the NBA Finals this time around. Give me the Celtics. Your NBA champ. Any objections to that? Somebody needs to stop one of these Boston teams. Needs to stop the Celtics or stop the Boston Bruins from making these types of runs. Boston. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think any major objections. I, I other than I don't know. I think the Lakers might uh, might rise up and be. What the did Grizz. you see last night that made you think that? I mean, it's not so much last night. I just I mean, they, I feel like they're going to clean it up. It's but but when like uh, last night Memphis last night was a playoff game. Uh huh. You're at and home. Now. They don't have Gobert, and you nearly lose that game. You foul in that spot, AD. I mean, it's I mean they they hit four field goals in the fourth quarter. I, you say oh well they'll clean it up. Well no, there's no more time. There's but, no more time. It has to be now. Well I agree. I think they're going to clean it up for the Memphis series. Is this your LeBron stuff coming out? Shut up. Is that what no, I no. I just it's just a gut feeling. I've never seen you pick against LeBron. I I'll probably pick against him after that round. We'll see. I think the Bucks might win it. Okay. I mean that's who I picked. You know, you said you picked the Clippers way back when. You picked the Bucks. Yeah. To, to get yeah. Oh I, yeah. I was the Bucks. Well, so. they are one of the two best teams. There's no question. What? You're on the air. Wake up with Jeffrey Griffin and Triad today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham.
It's Wednesday, middle of the week, otherwise known as hump day. Some think it's the hardest day of the week, so to make it a little bit easier, we raise morale across the triad in perhaps the most polarizing segment that we do, the segment that I hear the most about when I meet people out and about, called Weekly Positivity. You can put a cat in an oven, but that don't make it a biscuit. WD is going to watch White Men Can't Jump for the first time later on tonight, and that's good. Give us a call and tell us something good. 336-777-1600. If you do so, the first couple that call in will get tickets, or excuse me, Give vouchers to the real queue off Country Club Road in Winston-Salem. Wow. They're good. So give us a call. It could be sports-related. Perhaps it won't be. 336-777-1600. If you would like $25 gift coupons, which, by the way, go a long way at the real queue. I got some last week. And I'll be honest, I knew the barbecue there was really good. I wasn't prepared for how good their hot wings were. Really? I wasn't ready for it, but they were good. He wasn't ready. Hi, Will. Hi, Josh. I'll give you an example of something that's good. Our puppy Willow, Willow the dog, is making good strides she has gained two pounds in the last three weeks which might not sound like a lot but consider she was three pounds when we got her so she's a nice sweet healthy little dog and she hasn't had an accident in the house in two going on three days which is her new record wow Willow the dog. Willow the dog. Three days. And she loves her crate. That's always that's good. good. Crate that's training. Al- that's know. always a coin flip about dogs and crates. Sometimes they don't like it. They whine and whimper. Well, the pro tip is never treat the crate as a punishment. So when you're mad, don't send the puppy to the crate or else they're going to associate punishment with that instead you want it to be like uh what's the word i'm looking for like a like a paradise like something that a a doggy retreat i'm thinking about the word ingeti you know what that means not a clue ingeti is like an oasis like this biblical it's like a spring of the king type of situation. This right? segment is our oasis. Our Ingetti. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Tell me something good with you. Well, I've been keeping up with this Yankees-Guardians game right now. Oh, that's going on right now? It is. They're in the bottom of the ninth. The Yankees were trailing 3 nothing for a majority of the game. That's good. No, it isn't. 
That's that part wasn't good. Oh. But then they came back late, tied it up three all. Wow. And then they took a four three lead in the seventh inning, I think it was. And now it's the bottom of the ninth, and I think they're gonna close it out. We'll find out. We will. In just a little there's bit. There's two outs. Oh, but there's two runners on base. Oh no. Stall real quickly while I turn this on my MLB TV. Get this on in the studio real I'm quick. I'm excited to watch White Men Can't Jump. What do you know about White Men Can't Jump? I don't know anything about it, but I know Mike DeCourcy yeah. really was selling it up good. It sounded like a fantastic movie, yeah. and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Wow. Mike DeCourcy loves it. <laughs> Kill the music real quick. Nobody want barbecue? Yeah, what's this? Are we serious? Do you not eat? Little, like, what? <laughs> I, the littlest things. The littlest things that we give away. Phone lines flood. Correct. Yeah. Or is it that nobody has anything good to share? Maybe that's Everybody's it. so darn negative. What's the deal? <laughs> Smallest things and the phone lines light up, but... Barbecue? Perhaps the best barbecue in the triad? It is pretty fantastic. What? And the wings. What? Hmm. 336-777-1600. Figure it out. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Kill the music one more time. The Yankees won. Let's go! Come. Really? Really? The Yankees? <sighs> they... They beat the Indians 4-3. to three. It just seems like, as an Orioles fan, even though you don't have to play the AL East 19 times anymore, the Yankees, they just do what the Yankees do all the time. And then the Orioles drop a fly and left against the Red Sox. And then, oh, the Tampa Bay Rays suddenly can't lose. They're unbeaten. Haven't lost to anybody. Undefeated. Never lost. Incredible. This has gotten really... Negative. Give me the music back. I want to feel good again. I know something that is good. Let's go to the phones very quickly. Who am I going to first? It's Beth in Greensboro. Beth, tell me something good. Hi, Josh. Hi, DW. Um, I mean, WD. Hello. I like that even better, yeah. <laughs> That's from a cartoon back in the day. Anyway, what's good is that I listen to WSJS and the Josh Graham show, and that's good. And you guys are such givers, and I'm a huge fan, and it's a part of my day every day that I look forward to. So that is good, and I look forward to barbecue, hopefully, uh, that I'll get that. So Yeah, I think anyway, that's... You, I you've, uh, you've sweetened it up enough. You've... You've talked us up. You've got us blushing. You've got the real cue. All right. Thank you, Beth. Who's who's the next one we're going to really quick? Let's go to Artie real fast. Artie, tell me something good. Hi, Artie. Hello there. Tell me something good. I just got my test results back, and 15 months after finishing my chemo and radiation, I'm still cancer-free. Let's go. That is awesome. Yeah. And I got more good news for you, Artie. I don't know if they, if if barbecue is the best answer for that, but that's how I celebrate. You've got a twenty-five dollar gift card to Real Q. Wow! Thank you very much. You're welcome. And there you go. And that's been 
weekly positivity. Sometimes you just got to shame people. That's right. That's it. Like me with movies. I get shamed all the time and now I watch them. You know, it's something I've always found that when people don't have to do something, the lines just flood. Hey, caller number five. Caller number five gets the tickets. Right? <laughs> and then it just floods because all I have to do is talk to WD. I don't have to go on air. But the moment I ask for, hey, let's answer a question or let's do something or, hey, tell me something good. Yeah, it's really, really a tough one there. Yeah. Right. Then sometimes... The triad requires being dissed, being shamed, into getting free stuff like real cute tickets or gift vouchers. Go Why Yankees. do I keep talking them tickets? Oh, man. That's not positive for me. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. This is a Vin Sevenfold, who I'm told, in addition to WD, Darren Vaught, who joins us now, is a fan of. Hi, Darren. I, there were some Avenged Sevenfold songs that I would, I would uh, listen to in my, in my day. A fan is a stretch. Yeah, well, we've got pair of tickets to give away to go see them that we will reward somebody who calls in to unusual questions in just a little bit. Event Sevenfold, by the way, um, they're one of those bands that whenever you would watch, and th these exist on YouTube, if you're familiar with Warped Tour from back in the day, when they would go on Warped, these dudes apparently outside of their trailers had like almost like prison yard style benches and weights. And they would just like, when they're not performing, just get jacked. So uh, no surprise that they're still in the condition to perform. I don't even think they're that old. They're probably what, like late thirties, early forties. Yeah. I bet they still put on a pretty good show. September 19th in Raleigh, win them before you can buy them later this segment. Since we have Darren Vaught with us and baseball is you know, always on your heart. It's right up your alley. I have an opinion that I bet you around here is unpopular, but it's how I feel as somebody who grew up in this state. And it relates to this story, and it's something that comes up every time, you know, expansion or relocation is discussed anywhere in baseball. Salt Lake City today, apparently with the former Jazz owner, going to make a run at trying to land a Major League Baseball franchise. The conversation always lands on, well, what about Charlotte? What about Raleigh? What about the state of North Carolina? And I always say, I don't think our demand for Major League Baseball will ever be as strong as some of these other cities clamoring for it. Nashville, Portland, Vegas, you name it. And it's not because we don't love baseball around here. We do, but our state's unique in the sense of, when people from out of town arrive, they're like, wait a minute, you guys like college teams more than some of these pro teams? Yeah. Oh, you guys have, why are your minor league ballparks so nice? Oh my gosh, the Dash, the 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 Charlotte Knights, the Durham Bulls. We have these great parks, this great tradition with minor league baseball. And I don't see 
the $10 billion David Tepper type man that's going to make a run at this the moment he decided to pursue soccer and not baseball in addition to what he does with the Panthers. That was the moment I thought, well, Major League Baseball is never going to come here. And I'm cool with it given everything that we already have. Darren, how do you feel about the subject? Yeah, I mean, you can compartmentalize and say both. It would be cool to have a major league team. And it would be well-supported. If we did get it in a hypothetical sense, I'm not saying people wouldn't support it. I'm just saying I don't think we want it as badly as other places. No, and it's because we don't need it, right? It's in the same way that we don't need other other expansion teams and because we've got there are are long standing routines in terms of a North Carolina citizens sports fandom. That being said, I think if it does happen for North Carolina, I expect Charlotte eventually to happen, but one of the big things for Major League Baseball is filling this geographic gap between the Nationals in Washington, D.C. and the Braves in Atlanta, Georgia. Nashville sort of serves as that gap, and as we speak right now, Nashville's got more of a plan. They've got more of a a foundation for putting that into place. And that's not to say they don't already have a really good minor league baseball culture. The sounds are a big deal. But they don't have NBA and college other than the Vols, not as big as it is here. Correct. For them, it's a one-to-one trade-off. And if if that's all we got, if the Durham Bulls were all we had in the triangle of North Carolina, if the Winston-Salem Dash were all that was there in the triad of North Carolina, of course you would trade the minor league team for a major league team. If the Knights were all that were in Charlotte, of course you would swap that for a major league baseball team. Again, I I expect there are more <laughs> there are more David Teppers in the world than we even know about right now. So, in uh, Charlotte, with its with its finance culture, uh, industrially, I, I think there's there's a lot of money there to eventually put into an effort to get Major League Baseball there. So again, I I, I think it would be Charlotte before it would be. Raleigh, but that's not coming until at least, you know, Nashville and then somebody out West like Portland or uh, Las Vegas gets it first. Now let's play unusual questions with Darren. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question and it's okay. It's time for unusual questions with Josh Gray. And for those who are new to, to the proceedings, we just... You know, this is a ask away type of a segment. It might be sports related. It might not be. 336-777-1600. The first to call in and ask us an unusual question will go see Avenged Sevenfold. September 19th in Raleigh, winning those tickets before you can even buy them on the market. That's on Friday. We'll have another chance for you to win tomorrow. In addition to Kevin Hart tickets, he's coming to Greensboro that will be given away tomorrow. This is the question I have, Darren. WD tonight is watching for the first time White Men Can't Jump. That's a Woody Harrelson movie, a Woody Harrelson classic. Last night, just randomly, I stumbled upon on HBO Max a movie called Indecent Proposal from the 90s that starred Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore, 
with Robert Redford as, you know, the charming guy, in this case, the billionaire, the David Tepper type in this movie. And if you know the movie, then you probably can figure out the plot from there. Okay. I was thinking about this, though, in the context of Redford. Is he the most handsome man in movies? Or so often on sports talk radio, it is how attractive is this woman? Or, oh, man, who's the hottest in this? No, no, no. We're going the other direction. <laughs> We're a bunch of dudes here who can acknowledge who's handsome. And I feel like watching Redford, who was pretty darn old, even when the natural happened. In fact, that's a big flaw in the movie, how old he is, pretty clearly. And then in the 90s, pretty old. Still just incredibly handsome. When you think handsome in movies, what comes to mind first? Yeah, Redford, like, annoyingly attractive by every conventional standard. 100%. Right? Like the jawline, the hair. It's just like... We all get bits and pieces of it, I feel like, average people, right? Like you got one thing or the other working for you. He's just like Ken doll straight up and down. Speaking of which, speaking of which, Ryan Gosling into this conversation, handsome See, dude. That's interesting. And, you know, I view Redford kind of like Tom Brady in the sense of, well, they're both handsome. But also, it's like lo a long period of time that this guy kept his look looking top-notch. That isn't to say that there have been seasons that I would put over Tom Brady's best season in NFL history, which is to say maybe Robert Redford is by some the most handsome, but Jude Law in Talented Mr. Ripley might be the most handsome man in the history of any one singular movie. Hold on. Does this work the other way around? Like, did McConaughey play himself out of this conversation with Dallas Buyers Club? Probably. He's too skinny? Yeah, yeah. He's like sickly skinny for that role. Because he was in the rom-com McConaughey did have some roles where it was like, wow, there he's throwing a hundred. Red, Redford-esque qualities there. Anything yeah. to contribute to this conversation, WD? I'd probably put Austin Butler in this conversation. Oh boy, get out of here with I that. I'm just saying, he's a good looking dude. History of movies, Austin Butler. Oh, history of movies? Uh, I'd probably say Tom Cruise, maybe. Wow. He's well when you talked about Tom Brady. Cruz is an interesting one. When yep. you, when you talk scene in Top Gun 89. When you talked about Tom Brady it made me Andy think Loggins. of it made me think of dudes that have continued to maybe even get better looking with age somehow. See, now this Tom might Cruise. be the next step of the Redford conversation. I'm talking about longevity with Redford. I don't think anyone has matched the longevity of Cruz who is still doing shirtless beach scenes in Top Gun Maverick and looking great and doing so 40 years later. Interesting. The the, uh, the young ladies take a liking to Pedro Pascal these Yes, days. they do. Yes, they do. Darren Vaught, what's your unusual question? <laughs> um, this is not the unusual question. This is sort of a, a premise to that. You guys watch Ted Lasso? Have we had that conversation? I don't really watch TV shows other than The Bachelor, so no. I don't okay, watch the session either. Then this is a good question. So I, about a year ago, had not watched Ted Lasso. There were two seasons at the time in the books. So it's really easy to get into a show like that when you've got two 
seasons waiting in the hopper, right? Oh, it's so kind of like it. it's kind of so like the it. uh, it's like the longer version of starting if you have bad internet, starting like a video and then letting it buffer so that way you can <laughs> catch up. Or if you're watching a game on tape, you catch up like 30 minutes. You start 30 minutes into the game so you could skip through commercials. Right, that same so, type of thinking. So so the way I started watching Ted Lasso was binging it. And now season three is here. And last night they dropped episode five, but I'm having to wait and watch a weekly episode with this. Would you rather space it out and watch an episode a week or binge something? Obviously, it depends on the type of show. I view The Bachelor like a sporting event and a a way that you it's something that's more fun to consume with people than watching by yourself i couldn't watch the bachelor just by myself i couldn't do it but with a I'm, large I'm group glad, of people i could i'm glad you have that awareness that would be that would be odd yeah that would be so i for that show no for every other show i want to binge it if i'm like actually interested in the show and in the story it's part of the reason why I like movies more than TV shows is that I get a close-ended story and I can just move on to another close-ended story the next day rather than have the cliffhangers and waiting. Yeah, that makes sense. What's your unusual question, WD? Well, we were talking about Oscar Mayer wiener weddings and I was talking about how I used to chop up an Oscar Mayer wiener and put it in my Easy Mac and it was fantastic. And you thought that was kind of weird, Josh. So my question to you two, what was something or what currently is something weird like that you eat that is just off the wall like a combination something i feel like you've asked this question before maybe i have but it's on my mind so i feel like your questions are always based around food they do every tend time. to be that have every you time. ever have you ever asked a non-food question yeah i don't recall neither do i <laughs> uh weird eating habits um i mean I like putting Lay's potato chips in my chicken sandwiches. So, like, to make it a little bit more crunchy, adding Lay's potato chips. Yeah, but that was I'm, weird, like, in the late 90s. I remember being a kid being like, oh, that's weird. Everybody does that now. Or, or it's not uncommon to see that. I guess the chicken sandwich is different than, like, a deli meat sandwich, but... Let me ask you a baseball thing before we close things out. Okay. Darren Vot's with us here. That's been unusual questions. Yeah, I didn't have an answer to that one anyway. So Last yeah, night, you and I talked for about an hour as Ryan, Mount, Ryan Mountcastle for the Orioles were was hitting bombs, nine RBI in a game. The O's the most fun team in baseball? Uh, I, I want to agree with you. Not to confuse of, them with the best. I mean, the Rays, 11-0, yeah. but fun i i want to i want to agree with you for sake of lifting your spirits and keeping your spirits high they're certainly up there i've watched every game this year i haven't missed one i might i might surprise you with my answer to this to this point the rays of course i think they were a fun team to begin with and the fact that they are performing so well at 11-0 is is good so they're in the mix as well the Pirates have been so much fun. Yeah, they're a fun year. team. Like, I, there's still plenty of time to let this ruminate, but I think the 
Pirates might be good. Yeah, the Pirates. They were super fun today. They got shut out seven to nothing by Houston. Super fun. That was a lot of fun to follow. It's one of 162. Come on. They walked off yesterday. Go birds. Darren, thanks for doing this. ACC baseball, etc. is the podcast. Any anything to promote in regards to that? Uh, yeah, we dropped a new episode this week, as we do every week. Legendary Clemson baseball coach Jack Leggett was our guest. He's having his number seven retired when Notre Dame visits Clemson this weekend for a series. So a lot of good stuff with uh, with Legs, my guy. So go listen to that. 